Well, I don't know if I'm just going to preach tonight or just follow the notes. I think I'm just going to preach. Amen. Praise God. We've been talking about revival. Revival is what our pastor has been displaying to us and showing us what it has to say in the Word uh, concerning revival. But, uh, you know, the first part is getting revived, getting myself revived. And how many of you know that's a personal thing? That's something that I have to do personally. In order for revival to take place, I've got to get revived. Now, I want to give you some of the definitions out of the Hebrew for the word revive. It means to live. It means to make alive. It means to quicken. It means to repair. It means to restore to life again. This is all personal. Every bit of it. And you are responsible for your own revival. We can talk about the corporate revival and we'll get to that, and Pastor's going to get to that. But the truth of the matter is, is we've got to get really stirred up and revived ourselves. The church has set back on her good laurels and intentions. But the truth of the matter is, is the church is supposed to be leading the way. Not our city. The church is supposed to set the pace. And then we set the pace so that people can follow the way that they need to go. You and I have to get revived or vived enough so that we allow the Holy Spirit of the living God to literally flow through us. Just like Joseph said, I mean, the Holy Ghost should be able to have your attention at any moment. Whether you're on the job, maybe you may be on your job, you can't pray on your job. But how many of you know you can pray? You can pray. You can pray. Your spirit man can pray. Man, you just go find you, go take your bathroom break and go to the bathroom. Pray. Just obey God. Simply obey God. Psalm 85 and 6 says, Wilt thou not revive us again? Which gives me an indication they were revived at one point in time. The children of Israel were constantly, constantly, they, they would get on target. God would move in a very sovereign way in, in their lives, in their nation, and they would do absolutely great. And then they'd get off target again. They'd end up in a big mess, and they end up getting bound for, for hundreds of years. And then they'd cry to the Lord again, and the Lord would hear them again, just like we're crying to the Lord again. Our nation is in such a mess because the church has been in a mess. And that's the truth. The keys of the kingdom have been given to the church. The church holds the answers. We have the person of the Holy Spirit who has been trying to lead us and direct us so that we can get the results that God has planned for this planet called earth. You know, Jesus is just waiting for the church to get her act together. Jesus is coming. But he's not coming until the church brings him back. The church is going to bring him back. And it may be a remnant, but I'm going to tell you something. It's going to be a powerful remnant. It's going to be a remnant of people that know how to hear their God move at a split second and get the results that God wants. 
They will lay hands on the sick. They will recover. They will cast out devils because they're not fearful and afraid of what devils can do. How many of you know the devil is a defeated foe? Everything that he has to offer is a counterfeit to everything that God has that's real. We have the love of God. He has hate. We have the peace of God. He has turmoil, frustration, and anxiety, and tension, and everything else that goes with it. Amen? We have the love of God that surpasses man's comprehension and even thinking. God so loved this world that he gave his very, very best. And if anybody would dare to believe and accept the plan that he has, he would not deny them. And you will not be denied. We have a covenant with God, the creator of the universe. Let me make it plural. The creator of the universes. This is not the only universe. We live in this one, but there are universes. And God is in control of all of them. We serve the highest that there is. He has no beginning. He has no ending. How can we go wrong? He's anointed us. He's appointed us to be able to do exploits in his name. We have everything that we need. All we need to do now is get ourselves positioned internally, get ourselves inside straightened out so that we can accomplish what God has planned for you and I. Heritage of Faith has has a great plan that God has for Heritage of Faith. He has a great plan for your individual life. What is our expectation? Where is it that we want to go with this? How far do we want to go? I have seen untold numbers of revivals, and many of you have too. Every one of them has fizzled out. Why? Why has it fizzled out? Well, it just ran its time. No, it didn't. God wanted to get a revival going on. What happened to the Matthew, the Mark, the Luke's, the John's? The Peter, the James, the Pauls. What happened to them? Well, pastor, we still have them. Are you sure? I know we've got some dynamic preachers. And we do have some dynamic men and women of God. No question about it. But how many churches can we say today that are really, really in revival mode? Because revival mode is what's going to give us the position to be able to change our communities. And then saturate our earth. The last move of God, it says that the the Spirit of God is going to move upon the latter and the former. And they're colliding together. And it's happening now. We're just getting the very beginning parts of it. But this is what's going to usher in. The presence of the Lord. There's a true separation that has taken place between the churches and what's going on in churches today. We know there's a line being drawn in the spiritual uh, reservoirs uh, of the sands of God where there are those that are turned on and then there are those that are not turned on. 
And we're going to know the difference. We're not talking about hyper faith. We're talking about a revival that God is expecting us to begin to grab a hold of. He's trying to get it to us so we can get it through us. So we can touch our community. It starts in our Jerusalem. That's what he told his disciples. Go to Jerusalem first. It starts at home. That's our Jerusalem. Getting our household in order. Listen to Second Kings. Chapter number 13. One of the definitions of revival was to make alive. 2 Kings chapter 13, verses 20 and 21. And Elisha died. He's gone. He's not here. But I want to tell you something. His anointing didn't leave. His anointing was still there. We'll prove that to you. His anointing was still there. As long as you live, move, and have your being in Him, you're alive and well to be able to declare from your own lips to mankind. But this man's anointing, we're talking about an Old Testament prophet. He lived underneath a lesser covenant than you and I. It was a good covenant because it was a covenant with God. But it was not the kind of covenant that you and I have to this day. How many of you know in the Old Covenant, only prophets, kings, and priests heard from the Lord? They were the voice of God to speak to humanity, and the humanity followed. But in the New Covenant, we all have the person of the Holy Spirit. If we have welcomed Him into our life, to take a leadership in control of our life. And I'll show you that in just a second. He said, Elisha died and they buried him. And the bands of the Moabites invaded the land at the coming of the year. And it came to pass as they were burying a man, that behold, they spied a band of men and they cast the man into the sepulcher of Elisha. And when the man was set down, he touched the bones. He touched the bones of Elisha. He revived. He revived. I wonder what happened to the band that put him in. It doesn't say. It says he revived and stood up on his feet. What do most people do whenever they see something that's dead and rise up? I'm sure this guy was glad to be alive again. I don't know how much of an audience he had. I think they might have all split the scene. Can I be so bold to say this? Sometimes I think that's where our church is at. I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about the church in general. Is that God has brought revival and she has gotten afraid of stepping out and being different than the world. The Lord said, don't be like the world. 
There needs to be a difference. People need to be able to come into heritage of faith and be able to sense and feel the presence of the Lord. They should be able to come in here with an expectancy because they've heard such great things have taken place. The reason that they followed Jesus is because they heard great things were taking place. See, I don't think, I don't think Jesus was just in revival. I think he is revival. And if we get revived around who he is and who we are in him, we're going to get it too. We're going to get stirred up. Blind eyes won't be a hard thing. What's hard for God? I mean, we just saw a dead man come to life off of dead bones. If that's not enough for you, let's go to the next one. Ezekiel chapter 37. You all know this one. You've heard it preached. Starting at verse number one. It said, the hand of the Lord was upon me. Speaking of Ezekiel. The hand of the Lord was upon me. How many of us can make that statement? The hand of the Lord is upon me. Amen. The spirit of God was upon Jesus, was it not? And it had anointed him. Guess what? He said, I'm in the Father, and you're in me. And me and the Father are one. That means if he and the Father are one, and you're in Jesus, then you and the Father and the Holy Ghost are one. One. We're three, but we're, they're three, but they're one. And when you think about it, the Holy Spirit is the one who has been given the assignment to assist and to help you to carry out this revival mode upon this planet called earth. We've heard it preached already. He said, occupy till he comes. He did not mean sit down and just wait. They that wait on the Lord. You know, if you go and read that in the original, it's, it's one like a waiter. He goes and he waits. He, wa- he, he, he serves. He's constantly serving. What can I do, pastor? What can I do for you? How can I help you? How many of you know churches need a whole lot more servants than they need preachers behind the pulpit, the truth of the matter? We've got lots of preachers. But we need a whole lot of servants. People that have a mindset to serve, to help, to lift up, to protect. One of the greatest things that this church needs to do is to protect the anointing that's upon our apostle and upon our pastor. Excuse me, pastors. I can tell you the first lady of my house, she'll tell you she was the first lady of our church the three churches we pastored. And I'll tell you something. When you get two together, hooked together as one, you've got a powerful union that can accomplish great things, but they need others backing them up. Remember when the man of God, his arms got weak and, he, and his arms began to fall, and when his arms fell, the enemy began to win. But two men 
saw a need. The leader didn't ask for it. They just came and they just lifted up his arms to heaven because they recognized an anointing. They wanted to protect the anointing because not only did the anointing flow through their leader, but it was attached to the people he was leading. And as his arms were up, they were winning. And so they saw that when his hands went down, they were losing. So they went over and propped his arms up. And they won. Thank God for two helpers that were just willing to hold up two arms. And they won the victory. How many of you know they got blessed because of what they did? Are you in Ezekiel chapter number 37? Verse number 1. It says, the hand of the Lord was up on me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord. Where did he carry him? He carried him out in the spirit. Kings, priests, prophets. Kings, priests, prophets. He carried him out into the spiritual world. I mean, if you know, if we go out in the spiritual world with the Lord, we can see a lot of things we can't see here. How many of you know that one of the most important manifestations or gifts of the Spirit in this last hour is the Spirit of discerning of spirits? You, you can see into the real world, and you can see into the satanic world. You can see into what God is doing. You can see angels, and you can see demons. That's part of the manifestations of the Spirit that comes with the new covenant relationship cut in the blood of Jesus Christ. And he makes it available. All nine manifestations are available to you. All nine. They're available to you. And he set me down in the midst of a valley which was full of bones. Here we go with some more bones. And he caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there was very uh, many in the open valley. And lo, they were very dry. In other words, they'd been there a long time. There was no more flesh on them whatsoever. They were just bones. Many of them not connected anymore. And I'll be bold enough to say that many times the church isn't connected the way she needs to be either. We as a church have to stay connected with the Lord in unity. Unity means to be in oneness. We have to be behind the vision. We have, to, we have to get behind what's going on. We need to unify together. The psalmist in, in 133, I, I, I may read it a little bit later, but it, it tells us that where unity is, there is where the blessings are. How many of you want to be blessed coming in and going out? Then we have to be in unity. Now, I know that this church group right here is, is probably uh, the perfect group. Because you're here on Wednesday night. Some of the greatest services we ever had was in the middle of the week. Oh, 
The greatest moves of the Spirit of God was in the middle of the week. It's exciting whenever you get to see blind eyes opened up. Deaf ears unstopped. Listen, we live in America. You mostly see this in the foreign field. Why? Why do we see it in the foreign field and we don't see it in America like we should? It's because they don't have what you have. You have no telling how many different kinds of Bibles in your home. You have access to TV to be able to watch any program. You can go to Christian bookstores in just about every city that there is. There are churches on every corner. Everywhere. We live in a land that flows with milk and honey. The gospel has been preached here more than anywhere else. And we've sent out more missionaries in the world than any other nation. That's the reason she's still sane today and she's still together today. But I'm telling you what, we're struggling because... The enemy has tried to get an upper hand on what's going on. But I'm telling you this too, that God is stirring up his people once again. And his people are beginning to say, hey, Lord, we need help. That's all Peter said when he began to sink. Listen, this guy's an expert swimmer. He's a fisherman. He knows how to swim. And he, be, he begins to sink. And the first thing he does is he looks at Jesus who is standing right there. And he begins to sink and he says, Lord, help me. I don't, he didn't even say, Lord, help. He just said, help. And Jesus immediately stretched forth his hand, which tells me Jesus was right there. And Jesus stretched forth his hand and picked him back up. And if you go and read it, he rebukes him. After he gets him up on the surface of the water that he had been walking on. Got him back up. And he said, why did you let go of what you were doing? I'm paraphrasing it for you. Why did you let go? You were walking out on faith. Nothing was defeating you. You were coming to me on the surface that I'm walking on. You are duplicating what I told you to do. Come, follow me. Duplicate me. Do what I do. Pray the way I pray. Attach yourself to the Holy Spirit and do what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Jesus said it himself of myself, I can do nothing. But with him I can do Anything. Nothing was impossible. Well, they're very dry. And he said unto me, he said, Son of man, can these bones live? That's an honest question. Church, can we really have revival? Can this church really have revival. I was going to tell you why every revival has failed up to this point. 
It's because man stuck his hand in the middle of it and tried to organize it. Every time, every time, man got involved and tried to organize. And when they tried to organize it, the Holy Spirit said, excuse me. And he backed out. And it went to naught. I can name several revivals. One of the probably the most popular ones that you uh, remember of, of late is the Pensacola revival. Great revival. God was moving. The preacher was preaching what the Holy Ghost told him to preach. The church was acting the way that the Holy Spirit was wanting them to act. There were people shaking in front of the, the aisle, people laughing uncontrollably. I mean, there's all kinds of things going on. Now, I realize that there are some things that people just get caught up in. But I'll tell you what, I'd rather have a little wildfire than no fire. We can help the people that are in wildfire. I look forward to the day that people walk into here, they don't have to have anybody lay hands on them because the anointing is so saturated in the house, they just get what they need right then. They walk in the door. In Pensacola, they would line up out in parking lots. They would go out and find people passed out in their car under the anointing because they drove up on the parking lot. Man didn't put their hand on them. That was the anointing of God that came because people got revived. And it turned into revival, which turned into a community awakening. It woke people up. They came from all over the world. Azusa Street. How many of you remember Azusa Street? Same thing happened there. Great revival broke out. Holy Ghost fell. And then someone wanted to make Brother Seymour a king and put him up on a pedestal. In the early days of revival, he had his head buried in an old, uh, oh, what do they call it? It was like a chicken box. It was just a wooden box. He'd stick his head down in the middle of that box and pray for hours. And they started getting Holy Ghost results. Then man wanted to elevate the man rather than elevate the Lord himself. Revival comes with a price that has to be paid. I've got to finish this. They were very dry, and he said to him, Son of man, can these bones live? And he answered, O Lord, thou knowest. Again, he said unto me, he said, prophesy unto these bones. Why didn't God just bring the bones together? Because God has always wanted man to carry his position in his robe. In the new covenant that we have in the Lord Jesus' blood, that covenant gives you and I the right to move in the direction that God wants us to go if we're willing to follow. Remember, Jesus said, come, follow me. Follow me. And that word follow, I, again, I'll tell you, it means to duplicate. Do what I'm doing. Duplicate what I'm doing. 
How many of you know when he gave them authority to go out? He anointed them to go out. They went out without anything. God made provision for everything. And when they came back, their testimony was, Lord, all these things that we've been watching you do, it was working for us. We were casting out devils. People were being raised from the dead. It wasn't an uncommon thing. Jesus said this. He said, don't get caught up in all the signs and the wonders. He said, be thankful that your name has been written in the Lamb's book of life. All that matters, bottom line, it's not about the church, it's about you. And how far will you and I go with revival? He's going to have what he said he's going to have. He's going to have a last day church. He's going to have it. My question is, is are you going to be part of it? Amen. When you get, when you get into the presence of the Lord, he's not going to say, did you go to heritage of faith? I know it's going to shock you, but he's not going to ask you what church you were a member of. He may ask you who your pastor was. Because they've been given the account of responsibility to take care of you according to Hebrews. In chapter 13, I believe verse number 10, I believe it says that they've been given the charge and the responsibility for watching for your souls that they might give an account and that they might do it with joy and not with grief. That's the reason that the pastor has to be positioned at a place where he can have his anointing protected. He can't be putting out every little fire that pops up in the house of God. That's the reason we have elders and that's the reason that we have deacons. Is to take care of those matters. Amen? That helps to protect our pastors. So that they can hear from heaven to do. That's the reason that he's asking the man of God. He says, now I want you to prophesy. I want you to speak into these dry bones. Exercise your authority. Is this good? Are you you getting anything out of this? Hallelujah. I feel like I'm just right at home. He said, prophesy unto these bones and say unto them, O you dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. Man, this guy's on target. He's hearing what the Holy Spirit is speaking to him. The Spirit is the one that took him out. How would you like to hook up with the Holy Spirit and just walk out and hear what the Holy Spirit's telling you? Well, you can. Because he's in you. To will and to do of his good pleasure, God's pleasure. He's not here to glorify himself. He's here to lift up and to edify Jesus Christ of Nazareth and God the Father. He's still the same. Jesus is the same. The Holy Spirit is the same. God is the same. They just don't change. 
It's you and I that have a problem with that. Hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones. Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. What's one of the definitions of revive? To make back alive again. And I will lay sinews upon you and I will bring up uh, flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall not or you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and as I prophesied there was a noise and behold a shaking and the bones came together bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them above. But there was no breath in them. I mean, they're complete. They're, they now have a host of people laying in the valley. They have all their physical being that is there. Then said he unto me, he said, prophesy unto the wind. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he had commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Then he said unto me, he said, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried and our hope is lost. We are cut off for our par- uh, from our parts. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, my, O oh my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you out of your graves and shall put my spirit in you and you shall live. And I shall place you in your own land. Then shall you know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, saith the Lord. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 27. Ezekiel has gotten this hundreds of years. Before this event takes place. Remember he was in the spirit. This is what he saw. In the spirit. And God commanded him. To speak. To those bones. Prophesy to them. How many of you in 27? We'll read verse number 50. Starting at 50. This is when Jesus was being crucified. 
Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, he yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. Verse 52. And the graves were opened. And many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared before many. Church, God will do whatever it takes to get the church to move his direction. What would you do if you were there that day And your great, 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 great grandfather or grandmother or aunt or uncle came forth out of their grave after being in their grave for hundreds of years and you knew about them and they came and told you who they were and everything else. What would you do? That's like walking up to a graveyard and people just start coming out of their grave. That's what happened. That's how powerful the anointing was that was on Jesus. That was the kind of covenant that he was talking about. You're not dead. You're still alive. They were still alive. They were in Abraham's bosom waiting for the Lord to come. And he dismissed them, many of them from there, hundreds of them, and brought them out back into their country to go testify. Are we going to have to have a grave opening ceremony to get the the church to get back on her right pathway? Or are we going to get revived so that we can produce revival that will produce a great awakening in our community? And then we can have a great outpouring of the Spirit of God. And that excited, that excited me. There's another group coming out. I hope you know this. That great notable day of the Lord come in the clouds of glory. Those that are in the grave, they're coming out. Now, when they came out of their grave, they didn't come out as spirits. They came out as people. They went in the grave as people. They came out of the grave as people. They went into that valley as people. And they came out of that valley as people. The Lord says that in the last day, the Lord is going to, the trump's going to sound. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them. Well, how are they going to get back? I thought they were in the presence of the Lord. They're going to come back. They're going to re-inhabit their earth house once again. Man, that's nothing but just dust. What do you think you're made out of? You think God has lost the particles of your life? Well, they... They, they, were, they were consumed by fire and, and their ashes were scattered everywhere. Do you think that he doesn't know where every little particle is at? If God can say light be and light is still being, 
Sure. Revival is an act of you and I. I need to do two things real quick. The hour is already late. But I have two scriptures I want to read to you with the Apostle Paul. Go with me to Philippians chapter number 3. While you're turning there, I'm going to read to you out of Ephesians chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. In the Amplified Version, it says, Therefore, he says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall shine, make day dawn upon you and give you light. Look carefully, then how you walk. Live purposefully and worthily and accurately, not as the unwise and the witless, but as wise, sensible, intelligent people, making the very most of the time, buying up each opportunity because the days are evil. Your scripture says very clearly that the, in the last days, the world is going to wax worse and worse. Not so for the church. Her greatest hour is in the earth's most horrible moments. The church is not going to suffer the consequences of the decisions of the earth. You and I are going to be the answer to the reasons why there is such calamity and trouble on the earth. The house of God and the people of God are going to soar. Our greatest hour is upon us. It's time for us to shine. Amen. Paul the Apostle was given a dispensation of time. He was allotted a dispensation of time. Think about it. One man was given a dispensation of time to fulfill it for God. Aren't you glad he did? Because you wouldn't be here tonight if it wasn't for the obedience. Or many of us wouldn't be here, possibly, if it hadn't have been for the obedience of Paul the Apostle, who had been given a specific dispensation of time to be able to carry out the dictates that God had for humanity. Are you at Philipp, uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 7? He said, But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, um, whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dumb. Better term, manure. That I may win Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him, that I may know him, that I may know him, that I might have an intimacy with him that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. 
that I might know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after that I may apprehend that uh, which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, Forgetting those things which are behind. Cut your old dogs off of you. Get rid of them. That's all baggage. How many of you know you carry around a stinking dog long enough, it really gets stinking. You take a dead dog and tie it to you and carry it around for a little while in a bag. See what happens. Don't shout me down. Some of us need to get some things behind us. We can't press into revival until we get loose from some of these entanglements in the world. He said, lay aside the sin that so easily besets us. Not to walk in faith is to walk by sin. Because whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Because it takes you down the natural road. And the natural road cannot produce for you and I what needs to be produced for the church. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press, I press. Paul says, I press towards the mark of the prize. See, there's something that he has already in store for you and I that's much greater than what we have here. Just to know Him and to be in fellowship with Him and to be able to have the Holy Spirit who's ready and willing to give us instruction to do what needs to be done. But He's a gentleman. He's not going to make you. He's not going to make me. It's up to me. The depth of my prayer life and the depth of my personal relationship with the Lord is going to determine the depth of my revival, my personal revival. The depth of my prayer life, the reason pastor has been talking about prayer, prayer is not just something that we do occasionally. We're supposed to be continuously in prayer. Constantly pray. All the time. Paul goes on to say this. I didn't write this down, but it's in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Most of you can probably quote it. Paul the Apostle said, I am crucified with Christ. That means put to death. I have put to death my own way and my own will. Jesus said it this way. Very simple. He said, not my will, but thy will be done. Not mine. Don't you think things crossed his mind whenever he was being tortured and, and being prepared for the crucifixion? He had never known anything but total, complete bliss in the presence of Almighty God, but yet he was willing to come and suffer the consequences of man's decision so that he could captivate and capture and win 
everything that was necessary for you and I. Amen? I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live in the life that I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Come and enter into the joys of the Lord. That's all that matters. Man, I had good jobs before I became a preacher, making good money. I had a good job as a pastor, too. And I had good money doing it because God was first. It's all that matters is to please Him. Every one of us in the church, it isn't about just our pastors. It's about a relationship that you and I have with the Holy Spirit and making ourselves available to Him to revive us so that we as a corporate body, one can put a thousand, two can put ten thousand. Can you just imagine what we can do here tonight with the amount that we have here tonight? There's nothing too big and there's nothing too small for the Lord. God bless you.